0: Hello, my name is Daniel Lev Shkolnik, and this is Reenchantment, a podcast about finding wonder in a secular age. As a humanist, my faith lies in humanity, not in the supernatural. And if you believe that spirituality is fundamentally about cultivating the human spirit, then this podcast is for you. This is a very personal episode for me and my family. It's about my grandmother, Genya Shkolnik. In a very Thanksgiving-like episode, I gathered my mother and sister around the table and we talked about our maternal grandmother, Genya. She is our family legend embodied in a single person. She is our genesis, our hero, our matriarch. She survived World War II. She lost most of her family in the Holocaust. Through it all, she displayed such strength of character optimism and faith in humanity that even at a young age, she became one of my heroes. And she might be more my hero now than she was back then. This is the first of an ongoing series of episodes I want to run about lives well lived. Episodes about people who, I believe, used or are using their lives uh, and their time on earth well, and whose lives I admire and consider truly well lived. I know last week's practical spirituality episode was in a new style as well, and I promise to stop coming up with new episode ideas, uh, but it feels important to me to make sure that I'm not only talking to super smart people about super intelligent things, but that this podcast also becomes something that feeds the heart as well as the brain. So from now on, you can expect three different types of episodes on this podcast. One, the standard interview style episodes which I've been doing so far, where I talk with smart people about smart things. Two, episodes on practical philosophy, psychology, or spiritual techniques, like last week's episode on finding hidden uh, or natural temples. And three, episodes about lives well-lived, like this one. I hope you enjoy these new types of episodes. If you absolutely cannot stand them, Send me an email at Daniel at reenchantmentpod dot com. I can't promise I'll listen to you, but I will at least hear you out. And now I hope you enjoy this episode about the life of my grandmother, Kenya Skoinik. All right. Mom, Nika, welcome to Reenchantment.
1: Uh, thank you. Nice to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure.
0: Here in the living room uh, before Thanksgiving. Yeah, so what I wanted to do with this episode is have this be the, the inaugural episode of uh, a kind of running series that I want to do on lives well lived, where I talk to uh, or about people that I think have lived really fascinating Admirable lives. I wanted to start off with somebody that is very important to me and very important to us as a family, our grandmother, uh, Genia Szkolnik, And I think, yeah, the best place maybe would be to start with her history. And she lived such a momentous and really, really an admirable life. And she went through so much hardship. And she went through so so much pain. And yet, was able to maintain her dignity and re- maintain her humor, and she was she was just somebody that I know on in my life played a, a huge role growing up, and I I think for for each of us she left an indelible mark.
1: Yeah, yeah. She was born in 1920 in Ukraine, where a lot of uh, Russian Jews lived at that time because of the of settlement, they couldn't move uh, out of uh, that area. But after the revolution, Jews were allowed, sort of, to move around and-
0: After the so- Soviet the, the Revolution.
1: so yeah, yeah. It, it, in Russia, it was called October Revolution when the Communist mm-hmm. Party uh, took power in 1917. She was born two years after that, but mm-hmm. the whole country was in total uh, misery, like affected by civil war, famine, like so much destruction. And her family, her father, her mother was a housewife, like most women at the time, especially in Jewish settlement. Her father was very, not prominent, but respectful member of the, the small shtetl where they lived. And he was a rabbi. right? Mm. But because of the famine and, and uh, difficult situation, the family lost everything. They moved to Kiev, where my mom was born and raised until she was don't exactly know 16 or 17 when she decided to go study and her father was very influential uh, figure in her life who always encouraged her to study even she was a girl and at at that time uh, it was not so like uh, (coughs) well it was a loud situation for, for girls, especially from religious Jewish families, mm-hmm. to go to go to study outside of the uh, Jewish circles. But her father was always encouraging her to study, and she talked to him, not to her mother. That's what she told me. She was very close to him, and decided to go to Leningrad at that time. Now it's in St. Petersburg to actually become a teacher of history, and she lived in Leningrad uh, I think like a year before the war mm-hmm. started in 1941 and the war started uh, in June and uh, the Leningrad was very quickly surrounded by by Germans and lost all means of supplies for food and for for any kind of goods and the whole city was uh, um, over the three years of the war was after, under under the siege. Were a lot was, of people. It was
0: it was the lo- longest and deadliest siege in, of in, in modern history, in modern right, history. Modern history. history right, and right. the city was under siege for essentially for three almost three years. Three years, yeah. uh, No no food went into the city, and and I, I mean I heard a lot about the these things growing up. And I, I can only imagine that Baba, she told, said, uh, had a lot of stories when you were growing up as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's traumatic stories that she uh, kept uh, repeated to me when I was growing up, and. That was now. I understand. It was symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder when people are relieving this situation. And one of the stories were, was when she was summoned to dig trenches around Leningrad at the very beginning of of the war
0: Just to build, uh, to, build yeah, defenses, to build defenses.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it was in in, in the, so the um, outskirts of Leningrad. It's called Pushkin after the famous uh, Russian poet. And there was a um, a statue commemorating Pushkin, and they were uh, doing trenches uh, in this area. And she um, told me that she saw how the German plane was sort of like, like a, a fighter a, plane f- yeah fighter plane was was like uh, shooting people uh, on the ground they were able to uh, fly very very low and they were trying to dis- uh, disrupt this defense defense uh, building activities and they were just shooting people and she had like a buckle uh, with her like oh, she metal, had a metal yeah with her. bucket was her because there was not a lot of things they could use They used use bucket like to instead of shovels. Dig, instead of shovels, yeah. there was not enough enough tools, and she had this bucket, uh, and she was thinking, what should I close my head or my legs? And what, then
0: she was and, deciding what, yeah, to, what to protect yeah, with yeah, the bucket. Yeah, 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 And she decided
1: if my legs would be like a, like damaged, I, I, I don't want to live without legs. Like it's that's Let's, let's, uh, and she closed the legs because she decided it's better to be killed than, than live, uh, live without legs. Um, but she was lucky that she was not injured at that particular moment. But she told me that she saw the, the, the fighter, the, his, his face, because they were flying like, very, mm. very, very low. Mm. And she, she saw him. She saw like a person who was shooting people from the plane, and it's 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 uh, stayed with her for the, for the for the many many years after the war. Like she was reliving this moment of like a near to death to death like a to destruction experience, and there was others which was terrific and scary. when the siege was during the, uh, the winter time. Uh, people uh, didn't have anything to eat, and there was horrible stories happening. And there was corpses on the streets. And,
0: yeah, no, and I've yeah, seen I've yeah. seen pictures. You know, bodies lying in the street, and I, I heard that people didn't even remove them at, at a certain point because people didn't have didn't energy. Have
1: any energy, and nobody could move. Like she, she recalled herself that she was able, not able to. walk fast because she was able just to move like a a little bit one leg over the other but every and there was uh, no heat no 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 hot water no nothing that on the walls there was an ice layer on the walls and Leningrad the winters there particularly 1941 was very very harsh brutal winter and she they had like portions of a bread that uh, it 's called karki like a, like a coupons or uh, or like a, how do you say it in English that uh, you receive from the from the uh, authorities of the city for one month so they give you like a thirty or if it depends if like thirty one day in a the month they give you thirty one and um, you can, like, uh, go and you can just get all your portions of bread. They give you, like, a small portions of bread. I think it's, like, 200, uh, 200 grams of bread, which is, mm. like, I don't know, something like that. And, like, a very warm soup, which uh, she said you would never call it soup. It just was, like, just a like warm, some, some warm warm water. liquid. One liquid with, yeah. uh, you couldn't even say what was what was in that liquid. And it's also small, small portion, and that was what what is your... For the day, and the girls who were living with her because she was a student. How how old was she at that time? She was twenty-one. Twenty-one. Twenty-one years old, right? And those girls who who were so hungry that they just went and just spent all thirty portions in one day and ate it, and then they didn't have anything and Mm. and they die. Yeah, I I heard.
0: I heard that of like of all the. girls that she was living with in her dorm room, she was the only one that survived. She was
1: the, the only one who survived because she, she decided for herself that she would never use more than one coupon a day because mm. otherwise she she would no, never, will never have any food for the next day. And, uh,
0: and I, I remember also as the other girls were, were kind of trying to... I don't know shame her or like make make fun of her in the beginning that she she wasn't wasn't using the yeah, other coupons yeah. That
1: yeah because like you don't know if will, you will survive tomorrow or not maybe you right. will not be alive tomorrow and <laughs> all your all your food like would be if yeah. I could just uh, wasted. and but I,
0: th- I think I think this is a really important place where you know you we start to see the character of of her of, Baba, of, of right. her kind of ability to stay the course even when other people were doing something completely, was, yeah, completely different. different and um, not an
1: extremely difficult situation extremely yeah. difficult like
0: that self-discipline yeah. when yeah. you're when you're literally starving to death to to only eat a little bit of bread right. when you could be eating more
1: yeah and every day she she also gave like a word to herself that every day she said doesn't matter what weather will be i will get up i'll dress and i'll 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 go i'll go out for this for this to get this portion for the day because it was important for her to 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 move because if you Lying in bed, there's no heat. Like people were living in their winter clothes. Like nobody was able to undress. Nobody took any showers. It's Mm -hmm. like for three years of siege, she never took a shower, never never because there was no hot water nothing like no nothing was available nobody not just her nobody Wow. (laughs) yeah and yeah there was like a very difficult story which um i i was a little girl like five years old i remember six years old when she was retelling me stories and sometimes uh, like i already heard the story and at some point i don't know how the conversation was started started at that time but she was again telling me this story and i already heard it about about this episode when she went um for her usual daily portion of her bread and she gave her a you know, coupon to a person who was like giving people like it's called at uh, coupon in, in russian but like exchange for for food and all of a sudden she sees that her portion of bread is is like a flying above her head like and and because she couldn't move very fast and she couldn't like a uh, turn around very fast because every, everything was very slow because she didn't have any energy and she very slowly and she sees that her bread and her like a, like a, this uh, it's just flying over her head and then she slowly turns around and she's a very very tall man behind her he just, he just grabbed that piece of bread from the person who was uh, giving it. It was just like it taking took it, it took and it right himself. away put it in his mouth, like, uh, and she and, and start to walk away. And, and it was her the only uh, portion for the day. It's just if I don't if I don't get it, I'll die. And she started to walk after him. And there was winter and like. And she, man was dying much faster than the woman uh, during the siege. And, and she was thinking, oh, I, I'll catch you, I'll catch you. And she, she couldn't run. he couldn't run either. Mm-hmm. She was just slowly moving away. But she was also slow, moving after him, but maybe slowly, but a little bit faster than him. And, and she actually caught up with him and just pushed him. And he was also so weak that he just fell and she... Took bread out of his mouth, and and ate it because if she wouldn't do that, she would die herself. Wow. Yeah, I was very and for me as, as, a young, young, as a as a child, it was so disturbing to to hear the story. And then when I became a psychologist, I understand what it's. It's it's she was relieving this horror. She was deeply deeply traumatized, but in spite of that, she. Didn't lose this ability to uh, in- uh, love uh, life. Her favorite song was "Я люблю uh, Тебя жизнь," which is translated "I love, uh, I love life." Mm-hmm. Like in spite of all this. And it's horrible things she witnessed and lived through, and, and so many people she lost—her friends, her a uh, man she loved. Her, she her, was,
0: her, her father. Her, uh, her, her father, was,
1: yeah, was killed during the first first days of the war. But she didn't know uh, about the fate of her family only after the war. Uh, the war, because mm-hmm. the enclave was completely cut off from from the whole country. Nobody knew what what is going on. Uh, and Kiev was was it was over uh, run by Germans and all Jews were there executed, and her mother and her two younger sisters were were killed in Babiyar, Yar, which is they they killed all, all Jews of Kiev.
0: It was the largest uh, single massacre, massacre, I think, of, of, yeah, of World of War Two. It was yeah. uh, upwards of I think thirty thousand or more uh, yeah, people in like a, um, in one day, uh, yeah. like one or a couple of days. And uh, Babiyar is the name of the gulch where where it took place. I actually remember I went to Kiev and I went to Babiyar on a Jewish service trip, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's eerie. There's no there's nothing there. Nothing there. There's like w- there's there was one old placard that was there, but it the first one. But it didn't tell you what happened there. Yeah. Later, much later on, like they put a a big menorah yeah. next to it, and it, it, it actually says, "Oh, this is a this is a massacre site." Yeah. But other than that, like you yeah. walk by, and there are dogs playing like, in there, and there's it's, it's just, it just was, a bunch of just, old yeah,
1: it was very disturbing for her while we were living in Soviet Union too. She knew about that. Hmm. Yeah, and there's like a poem by Nadezhda Tushenka who wrote about about Babyn Yar, about the fact that there was no commemoration, no, no, no any kind of acknowledgement that such a tragedy tragedy happened there. Yeah, and even after we immigrated to um, this country, she every there was like a a Jewish society. There's a synagogue uh, in Brighton. They always commemorate Yar and made like a service with candles. Mom always, always went to that every single year, every single year, because she never had an opportunity to to have like graves of her parents her father mm-hmm. was killed and nobody knows where he 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 was he sent was, he was yeah, sent to the front line from the front line and yeah. the first days disappeared forever and then her mother and two younger sisters were killed in Babier. yeah and um, yeah. after the war like uh, after three years when the siege was broken and there was people who survived especially from her college there was like a she was one of few people who survived from the whole college. They were evacuated from Leningrad during winter. The only way how it was possible, the, the place where the siege was broken, it was over the Ladezhetsky Lake mm-hmm. uh, during it was, it was winter. Old, yeah, it was frozen. frozen yeah, And that's the only way how People after three years, whoever was able to, to be evacuated, or like a, lake, uh, 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 a yeah, the, they the tried, and they big the truck. Sov- yeah, the Soviet army
0: people, right? managed to get to across the lake with these trucks, and start to evacuate people along along the frozen lake. But the the trouble was the, the lake. Ice would sometimes crack,
1: Bro- crack and the yeah.
0: whole yeah. truckloads but, of people yeah. would fall into yeah. the fr- frozen yeah. water beneath.
1: Right, right. And, 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 and she, 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 was she, She actually was like witnessing, like the, the truck in front of their truck, like uh, fell through fell, through, fell through, And there also like American Americans were trying uh, to provide some food, and there was like uh, some crackers and chocolates mm-hmm. and. A when uh, people were taking away, they were giving like to so, so this Ladashoska Lake. They were giving these small like uh, small packages from Americans who were like, mm-hmm. I think they were dropping air, air them, them. airdrop air air dropping them. And people were so hungry that they were they ate everything right and away. and and they died because yeah. because their just stomach and the whole system was not used to food. And yeah. she didn't eat it. And she. How she knew that at the age of like 22, 23, I, I don't know, but she she was able to eat small portions. Wow! To to sort of like a train herself to to eat.
0: Yeah, because if you eat right away in large amounts, the body after yeah, it just, after starvation yeah, it it can't it handle. cannot
1: handle food. Yeah. And,
0: uh, yeah. So I, again, like another another it, her her discipline.
1: It was, um, it was amazing. It, it was, was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And it was
0: the thing that, that allowed her to survive. To survive.
1: It's it's only it's only her character allowed her to survive. Like nothing else. just her character. And due to her character we 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 all here because if if it wouldn't be for, for her, for who she was, we would never be able even exist in this world. Yeah. And then she end, ended up to evacuation in Tashkent because uh, a lot of people were evacu- evacuating uh, uh, to Siberia where there was no war, or to like a south of Russia, which like now it's not even Russia, but Uzbekistan was at that time part of um, uh, Soviet Union. And there was, areas where war didn't touch in terms of occupations and there were also climate which allowed to Mm -hmm. grow food Mm -hmm. and she was evacuated there and was placed in a tiny room in the in the basement of of a big institutional building which was like a mixture of Movie theater after after the war and like Dom Pioneer which is like a place where youngsters were, were having like after school activities, and it was a huge 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 uh, building. But the uh, basement under this building was divided to tiny tiny rooms and without the toilet without hot water only only electricity I was like a one like a bulb and in in a, like a, the big usually was big room was divided to several and in in each small room there was like a, the whole family to reach there uh, four uh, five people in in one room, and that's where I was born after the war.
0: How many like years after the war? Ten, uh,
1: ten years after the war, I was born in Tashkent. So she uh,
0: she lived in that room for ten years. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I lived there until I was eleven. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, and, and she started to work as a teacher. And what uh, was amazing to me that, and she was uh, always so passionate about everything what she did. She worked as a teacher. She she was loved by her students. She was always doing something interesting for children, something creative outside of school cr- curriculum, as much as possible to be outside of school curriculum, giving like a s- Soviet structure of mm-hmm. school education. Then she mm, she had this diploma of a teacher of history, but she decided to uh, go again uh, for another degree to become a teacher of German because teachers are foreign language languages were paid a little bit more Uh, and when I came into her life she was absolutely uh, amazing amazing mother I I grew up with the sense that such a security so much love that she was able to convey uh, to me without a lot of uh, material things. We were extremely poor. Mm-hmm. I like was not enough food, not enough anything, not enough clothes. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very, very poor. But material things were not not important. But she was able to create it so much joy in in my childhood that I I always uh, felt very secure and loved, and we always were surrounded by by other people she has friends she always her students were visiting us and it, it was very joyful uh, joyful alive. she always welcomed uh, people uh, to our house she was very friendly to neighbors she was um, always like a spreading like a I don't know like a positive energy mm-hmm. I, I was listening to her story she didn't tell those stories to strangers she was telling it to me yeah the worst stories. The, yeah, the stories and I, I was always surprised how how a person could live through through that and be so optimistic about life in general <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like she she really believed in humanity. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. And she was the biggest support in my life in uh, any single uh, moment, especially when there was some disappointment or or some upset. The, the only person I I turned to was was my mom, and uh, she never never w- w- was like criticizing me. Like I remember one time i was worried about passing some exam and she she was saying no okay it's already done don't even think about that let's go for a walk whatever happened happens and it was so unusual for a soviet system of of interacting with children like all right I I heard very often, like, parents were scolding kids, or, like, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a spanking all over the place. I saw how my friends were sometimes Mm -hmm. spanked and scolded by their parents. We all grew up together, like, like, Mm -hmm. there was not much separation. We were always on the streets all together. Families lived, like, one on top of another. We we Mm -hmm. saw what was going on all around. And I never was spanked. I never was, like it's not that she didn't tell me like this is the wrong thing to do for instance, for example when she decided that i have to learn how to play piano she never played piano in her life and she mm-hmm. but she decided that i have to be educated very mm-hmm. well maybe because her, her her father loved music i don't know but she was dedicated to the idea of me playing piano. And piano was not taught in regular public schools. It was taught in a, in a special music school that you have to go. And it, it, I think you have to even pay some money to that. Uh, and you have to start at the age of five and my mom didn't know about piano nothing she didn't know how to read notes Uh, she couldn't even sing very well (laughs) (laughs) but she was religiously sitting next to me (laughs) and while I was doing like a piano homework and and other kids were like running around my friends like we all lived together like it was like a Ten, fifteen kids in this in mm-hmm. this uh, basement area, mm-hmm. where like all families who had several uh, kids, and I had to sit and play piano all the time, and
0: and you and you became you, be, you became very good. I, uh, and, and, you you got an award
1: for it i believe no i wasn't i wasn't like a very very good but i actually was able to able to graduate a music school and i and i played with with orchestra like i played mm-hmm. garden concert with, uh, with orchestra which is like uh, it was sort of like achievement not everyone was uh, playing with mm-hmm. with orchestra and uh, graduation concert in the music school i didn't continue my, uh, my musical education after music school it was seven years but I, I don't know where this idea came. But she was so, so passionate about me playing music, yeah. uh, and even my resistance to music because I would rather play out, outside. But somehow she was able, like, to to give me this this energy, no, I would say, desire. I remember one one time when I was a little girl, like I was seven, probably. And all my friends were running around and playing and and I had to do my homework and music and and she was sitting with me said, No, we have to do it and then like first we're doing work and then we play and that's what always was in our family. First we're doing work and then we play. Mm-hmm. And I was so upset, like everyone is playing and I'm doing piano. And I said, When I'll get Pig and my kids also. They will play piano too. <laughs> I don't know why this idea, uh, this kind of retaliation, came to my mind.
0: <laughs> so we we were <laughs> we were
1: the ones that paid the like price. If you, exactly. We, we, we felt yeah, the brunt of that you, retaliation. <laughs> the fact that you you study piano is due to Baba. <laughs> well, well, there's
0: there's that perspective, right? There was we, Nika and I both had to study piano. We both learned musical instruments. Yeah. And both of us yeah. hated it. Neither of us liked doing it. But at the same time, it was just earlier today. We were, we were playing piano, each of us. We were playing right. guitar and we were you know, singing and sharing songs.
1: Right. And, right. and
0: that wouldn't have happened if not for right. Baba.
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. And one thing I, I understood through these experiences with her growing up that in order to have choices you need to you need to learn something to have an educated choice to use it or not to use it
2: mm.
1: and not just with music with everything if you want to make your choice and what what I was saying to you uh, Danny, that when you get to a certain level and you will learn how to play piano at certain level not like at the concert pianist of course not but like, you would be able to read notes f- like you know, fluently, and you can able to sit down, and if you want to play, you can open the notes and figure out how to play. Then you will decide for yourself do you want to continue or not. It would be up to you, but you already got the skill that you can make educated mm. decision about do you want to do it or not. Yeah. Because you cannot decide, can you, do you like to read books if you don't know how to read? Sure. Sure. yeah you need first to first learn how to read and uh, that's what I learned from her like you, you need to really put your work first to be educated uh, to learn something and then to make educated a uh, uh, decision about that do you want to use it or you want to abandon it
0: yeah and, and that's a principle as well I remember when I was growing up I heard that from you that uh, work first play later it was a kind of recurring mantra and yeah. it's something that I also wasn't a huge fan of uh, early on, but it was that early discipline that you gave me, that you got from Baba, that I think ended up making a really big difference later on. I took that very seriously, I took it to heart, and yeah. I put academics first, and I, and I made sure that all my work was done first and foremost before I went out and enjoyed myself. And, and yeah, that, I, that, that paid dividends. I I got into a a great university and, and it's been, it's been keeping, it's been something that has, I think, shaped my, my life ever since.
1: Right, right, right. And her, like a third period of your life when not, we made, we made a decision to leave Soviet Union and came here to, to this country. And she, she was already 70 years old. And of course she was a, teacher of german language she never spoke english in her life ever and she started to learn english and she actually at the age of 70 mm. and she was spending so many hours we went to classes and was really dedicated because i'm living in this kind of have to know how to speak the language and she actually was able to converse yeah at the age of 70 she was able to maintain like a simple Mm -hmm. conversations with a doctor or was at the store and she was learning english like to the very very like going to the classes and writing and reading to the very like uh, last days of her uh, healthy life until she was 90. Yeah, and how did she embrace the new culture and people new people around her and how she started to create new connections with her and when you came uh, along how, how how passionate she was uh, about being a grandmother how she loved both of you and tried to make connections with her American grandchildren she, and,
0: was, uh, you know, she was she was a survivor she she lost. Everything in the war uh, lost her. Lost her lost family. Attention. Lost uh, her chance at her her college education. She she had to start from nothing there, and then she built up a life with you in in Tashkent in Uzbekistan. And you, you didn't mention this part But she built her own house Yeah, yeah she built with, her own house With, with her own hands right, She, over right. many, to get many out years of the, To get us
1: out of that to get, basement To get you out of yeah. the basement Where well, we just yeah. saw We didn't have light, sunlight There was only uh, shoes of people walking by Because there was like a tiny, tiny window Tiny window, window. Like yeah, a, All you could see was yeah, the shoes of yeah, people outside <laughs> walking outside We didn't have any light there yeah. but, but
0: it was She started to build up from there like save little bits of money from her meager paycheck as a teacher right, right. to to buy like cement and yeah. and and bricks yeah, it, and, things. and we made
1: bricks ourselves. i we remember how bricks. like every summer we made bricks to build our house and yeah. and how many years did it take to oh build it? it took long years probably like 11 years when she's oh. she got this a uh, small piece of land when i was born and Took her a long time because her salary was tiny, and it was not possible to find any uh, building materials. Everyone was in in such a deficit, and she was every uh, summer she went to uh, ext- for extra work in a in summer camp and extra money. She used like to to buy some materials and maybe f- f- find a worker that she was helping like uh, to to put the walls and. And it was yeah, eleven years, eleven years. And, and I remember how we made the bricks out of uh, sand, like a special way how like bricks were made in, in Tashkent, and we had special forms. And I remember yeah. it was a. Difficult job. We made we made a hole in our backyard. There was no house even. We just mm. was uh, coming from our basement, which was in the center of the town, to, or to our sort of like a place where we build the house and we made 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 bricks. We put it down in the sun because the uh, sun was very hot during summertime in, in Tashkent, and then until they dried, and we put them in in uh, piles uh, to make more until we got enough to. <laughs> to to make the walls,
0: <laughs> and, yeah. and and after, but the thing is, like, so so you built you, you built this house, you you lived in it for for yeah. a number yeah. of years,
1: yeah. until we we immigrated, and, yeah, and mm. then
0: and then you you sold it, we sold and it, it and yeah. it, it 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 was it was very difficult for for Baba, right, because she, she it had was, put it so was,
1: yeah, it was uh, it, it was her like another child at first,
0: right, right, <laughs> and 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 what really hurt and like insult onto injury like most of that money you couldn't take out of the country no, with you no, when the you so- left. No, the
1: Soviet government didn't uh, allow to take any money.
0: Yeah, no. and, and and so you came to the U.S. with I think what, what was it, $200? Uh, the,
1: the Soviet government at that time they were giving the $90 for a person Uh, to leave the country, because you have to surrender your uh, uh, citizenship. And and you pay money to surrender uh, your citizenship. You became like a a person without a country. Yeah, like um, displaced individual. Yeah, I mean, individual. you were you were refugees. Yeah, we were refugees. Yeah, and I couldn't work when we got the the visas to leave. I I have to leave my work because you can work if you, planning to leave, you become sort of like like an enemy of the people, and you cannot work. And she also couldn't couldn't work. Uh, but she was and she was not retired. She still worked as as a teacher, but uh, not normal hours, but uh, a little bit. And yeah, but,
0: but even yeah. So you came to the U.S. and I guess like the, the point that I wanted to make was that she had to, you had to start life again yeah. from from pretty much from, nothing from
1: nothing. Yeah, and from and for nothing. for Baba
0: that was that was the second time that she she had to do that yeah. in her life. And uh, at the age and at that, at that the age, age of 70, seventy, yeah, to start completely leave all your connections, all your friends, all your belongings, language, and home, yeah. like your yeah. language and start from nothing all over yeah. again for, and it, and it didn't break her. And she, she, she did it and she helped th- throughout until the end of her life. She was helping us. She was, yeah. she was saving, saving money from, I believe her, her social security, yeah. uh, yeah. income. Yeah. She very was small, but yeah, very small, very yeah. small amount, but she was yeah. putting it, putting mm. some away every month and uh, she knew how to save because she, she always lived on
1: such a small amount of money all her life she knew how to save
0: yeah yeah and and yeah. and i think she, she had some money stowed away for for her for passing for,
1: for, her, her, for yeah for her uh, funeral she 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 left money for her funeral she told me like i don't want you to have money for my funeral she she, she was able to do that i was i was of course yeah devastated when she left us but yeah she she was an in, incredible person like just summarize what was the most important about her she, she she was like to me she was like the the stone wall where I always were coming back for support like whatever was happening in my life I always knew that No matter what will happen to me, I have my mom behind me for everything. And she always was there for me, for you, and and not just for me. She was uh, loved by people. She always had a lot of people around her, a lot of people around her. She,
0: you mentioned her students and how much they loved yeah, her it yeah. was later much later in life I mean when when the internet and, and different kinds of social right, networks right. started to emerge yeah
1: people started contacted me are old, you the daughter of our favorite teacher yeah <laughs> it was already when she was already was so so ill and was already in her 90 plus after the stroke like people were like are you the daughter like where is, what what has happened to her where is she like,
0: yeah her old yeah. students from yeah. and yeah. This, her students were were young when she taught them, right?
1: Oh, yeah, but she was a teacher like for forty plus years. She, right. yeah, but she, she what, what
0: grades did she teach? She
1: that? she started with elementary school, how it's yeah. called here. Uh, yeah, and then she ended up as a teacher of German language in high school.
2: Mm. So
1: that's called that the 10th. There was a 10th grade, and it's yeah. not 12. Now I think it's 12 grades in Russia, but at that time it was t- a 10th grade. And she taught like 8, 9, 10th uh, mm. ten, grades.
0: But, but yeah. even, even decades later, her yeah, old students yeah, was, would yeah. call and <laughs> to yeah. try and find out about, right. and, about yeah. her. And,
1: and she, was, she was pretty strict. She mm-hmm. was not like a teacher who was like a, like trying to please her student. No, mm-hmm. she was pretty strict. She was strict with homework, but sh- she was very fair. Mm-hmm. She was very very fair, like, a, and and kids respected. They respected it a lot. Like we always had students uh, over when we already moved to our house we built like. Uh, she always had students over when uh, they graduated from school and they were coming to visit when um, when they were coming from colleges like it's it's because she she was able to to give them that they 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 felt they felt a lot of a lot of gratitude Mm -hmm. yeah to her And even with you, like how she tried to contact, make contacts with you. Like she was like an 80 plus uh, Russian speaking lady. And especially like Nika, you was very young but she was trying to be in touch with you to be part of your life like and of course she did speak english not not at the level how how you uh, converse in english and not at the a level that uh, it would be interesting for you as a little boy to talk to a 80 plus grandmother who doesn't know who pokemon is or like <laughs> and she she well, she we... said, <laughs> and she tried to be in, in touch with you that it would be not in a boring way that like oh you have to like like, uh, speak with your grandmother. Know that you you would be willing to 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 be to be in touch with her to talk to her. That it would be fun for you.
0: Well, yeah. my my first language was was Russian, so yeah, I to, could yeah, speak with be, her in Russian fairly fairly well. But I, I remember on vacations when we would go um, on trips together mm-hmm. and, and she came came with us. I I would I loved. Spending time with her, I loved sitting with her. We'd be at I don't know an aquarium or some park or something, walking around, and and I would I would hold her by the arm, and we'd walk along, and you and Dad and Nika might go somewhere, go ahead, and we just she couldn't walk that quickly, so I'd sit down with her on a bench, and we just we just sit together and we would talk, and we'd 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 she was a really big part of my life, I I respected her, I I could tell there was a kind of Gravitas and seriousness and a wisdom in her that I didn't really see much of in, in in many other people. And when whenever she would come over for for dinners at our house, she would always come dressed immaculately, like yeah, you know, yeah. just just in, in flowing yeah. dresses and and, and uh, hats, and <laughs> and she would always come with a poem memorized mm-hmm. in Russian. And mm-hmm. o- always you know, at some point in dinner, like she would, she would hu- the table would hush and she would get up and she would recite, re- re-
1: recite a poem,
0: poem in Russian, whether it was uh, Pushkin or, or Bloch or any of the great Russian poets. That was my first real, I think, exposure to poetry was from, from her. Mm-hmm. And she read with such intensity and such passion that it really m- left an impression on me years later, and I think I, I'll, I'll never I'll never forget the the performances that she would put on. Mm. She she made a life for herself as a as a performer of poetry yeah. here in the U S. in the, in, US, in, the yeah. in the Russian community t- to the point where like she befriended some. F- fairly famous yeah, russian poet yeah famous russian poets, poets
1: yeah, who came here like uh, for like artistic visits and mm-hmm. yeah she we up a picture and um, yeah, her well, was a very famous russian poet
0: didn't didn't yeah. one of the poets like he, he wrote yeah. he wrote a, he poem, wrote for a her. poem for her, for her right.
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah so, right. so and she was she was very right. proud of that yeah. and she was she was able to do this because when she read she read with such such passion and read mm. with such intensity I, I, just the other, in another episode, like I mentioned the word, or the concept of duende. It's a Spanish word, but it typically applies to flamenco when you have a performer who embodies such intensity and passion in their performance that it, it just, it raises the hair on your skin and it, and it makes mm-hmm. your br- blood run cold. And duende, as as described by uh, Garcia Lorca, it's impossible to communicate unless the performer understands sadness and mm. understands death right. and if you don't understand uh, the mortality that every individual faces then you have no hope of, of reaching such passions mm-hmm. and it's something that that she that Baba understood so well because her whole life was a life of, of loss and, and mm-hmm. finding ways of still loving that life, of finding optimism, of finding beauty, of finding humor and and being compassionate to those around her, despite the fact that she lost everything several times over.
1: Right. Right. Nicola, what is your uh, memories about Baba? Because you're the youngest in the family. Dani had sort of an advantage being an older child because she spoke with him Russian. And when you were born, like, almost five years later, she was much older than, than when Danny ca- came um, in our lives. And she, she did speak Russian to you, but you spoke English to daddy. And usually younger children were sort of always lost always there, always in terms of languages. Yeah, but what do you remember
2: about Baba? I remember a lot about Baba, specifically how she would be very theatrical and dress up and always willing to help me out with um, my math homework, but also very strict about it. And she always um, made sure that I was giving her calls on the phone and keeping up to date with what was going on in her life and what was going on in mine. She was just a a very strong woman, and I think I I looked up to her a lot. And we would we would go and hang out, and she'd pick me up from from camps when when I was younger, and we'd go to a McDonald's and we'd get like Happy, happy meals, meals together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she would teach me how to make a and
0: she made the best borscht. Yeah, really good borscht. Her, her cooking was amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, always feed me, and just like I obviously like didn't have as much, as as <coughs> strong of a relationship with her as as Danny did because I didn't really speak Russian. So it was like being lost in translation like half of the time, and and it was hard to communicate. But like we would always just. Like laugh whenever I was like something yeah, funny going
1: yeah. on and I, yeah, I remember when she was already uh, she, when she was very very ill and uh, after her stroke and she was already living in the nursing home and I was bringing her home for for a weekend, and you played with her like a like a, with the balloon and she was in the in a wheelchair, and she never loved, lost her ability to laugh, and sometimes when you were played with her she laughed. In such a such a, a poor uh, state of health, with inability to walk, inability to do anything for herself, totally dependent on everybody, she still laughed. She still laughed. <laughs> she was like, in, in she was like always couldn't couldn't already talk much, but she was waving to to CNA and to the nurses, like saying uh, saying to them, "Thank you" when they. Did something for her. She uh, was loved yeah. in that nursing she home. She was loved she, in every, the nursing home. Everybody, yeah.
0: everybody loved her. Yeah,
1: yeah, because she was just nice to people, just nice. And being in such a physically poor condition, she still was. Was saying thank you, but she couldn't talk. She just waved her hand. She,
0: she couldn't yeah. speak to them. She yeah. couldn't speak any yeah. English to them. Yeah, they, they
1: no. After that, still. she lost her English. After the stroke, she lost. Yeah, she she was losing her Russian as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 But she didn't lose her love. Yeah, yeah.
0: She. I remember. I remember every summer you dropped me off at at her apartment, and we'd play games. We play board mm-hmm. games, and there was this one. Was one time we were playing this new board game from your from your office and and I was winning. <laughs> I was winning by a lot. <laughs> and, and we were we were playing we were playing with these with these dice. I, I was using the, the, the green die and she was using the yellow die. And at a certain point I was almost at the end of the game. I was almost at the end of the board. And she was halfway there. And then at a certain we looked at the dice the dice and it's like mine was at a six. Hers was at a three. <laughs> <laughs> highest number on her die. It was a six-sided die, both of them, but hers only went up to, to three. <laughs> and we laughed for so long. We laughed so hard because yeah, she, of
1: that. She, she was able to laugh. She, she loved life. And she, and she loved this country. She was, everything. She, she was able to be happy. In spite of all horrors and difficulties, she always was appreciating any kind of kind things coming her way and enjoying it like we, when we were on the trips and you were she was sitting in, in the front next to me when i was a driver and she was always oh, look at this beautiful trees look at this like a sky look at this and when we Went to the Cape. She was looking at this fish, and she was sitting like by the lake and was looking at the fish. She said, like, "Rima, look at this fish! Look how beautiful it is!" <laughs> like I was just absolutely amazed how she could enjoy like a small things. And she and she worked uh, when we were on the
0: Cape Cape Cod. She worked so yeah. oh, hard. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 like it was cleaning up the garden and landscaping and like helping to to, to get yeah, rid of the, the brush with and everything. she was everything. she worked as hard as 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 yeah. me as yeah, you. She sometimes when she was eighty. <laughs> uh, yeah, when she was eighty, I would I would be I would tap out and she would keep on working. <laughs> <laughs> she keep on going. Yeah. She was just really just a heroic heroically strong individual yeah and it's it, it's something that i will i will never forget and and she in a sense is a, is a kind of uh a, a mythic figure i think yeah. in in my yeah. life and in, in our yeah. family history
1: absolutely and that words you you wrote for her on, on her Grief. I'm um, looking for this because I mean it it's, it's describes you so much. Every time when I visit her, I read it, and I'm just so, so, so touched by the words you wrote about her.
0: Uh, so I wrote this for her for her gravestone. It's uh, for Genia December twenty third, nineteen twenty, to February fourteenth, twenty sixteen. Here lies a lioness, all dignity, a minor legend to those who'd never met her, a major one to those who did. She withstood history's heaviest hammers, and tilled joy in its toughest soils. A laugh is liberty, and hers she kept. To the latter part of life she arrived like a dame, such a clat, such dresses, such hats, she was both cook and duchess of the same dinner. And any time she rose to give a toast, a poet somewhere pricked his ears. Baba, sleep well.
1: No Spasibo for writing it, thank you, Danula, for writing because it's 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 really her. Yeah.
0: Thank you for, uh, for sharing her story and uh, telling it yet again. I never get tired of hearing it, and I hope it does something for those listening to hear about a life that I think was truly well lived, despite, or maybe even you know, in the face of, because of the difficulties of the 20th century, she was able to, to hew out a life of worth and a life of joy. The life of meaning when it seemed like everything was lost several times over. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Reenchantment. Who in your family is a hero to you? Feel free to send me a message at daniel at reenchantmentpod.com. I respond to every email I get and I'd love to hear from you. Last week, I introduced a word that supposedly arises from and is characteristic of the Spanish soul, Duende. This week's addition to Athesaurus is Tosca, melancholy, boredom, ennui, a peculiar kind of anguish that defines the character of the Russian soul. Vladimir Nabokov, the novelist, said of it that at its deepest and most painful, it is a sensation of great spiritual anguish often without any specific cause. At less morbid levels, it is a dull ache of the soul, a longing with nothing to long for, a sick pining, a vague restlessness, mental throes, yearning. In particular cases, it may be the desire for somebody or something specific, nostalgia, love sickness. At the lowest level, it grades into ennui and boredom. On a lighter note, If you want to hear more about my relationship with my grandmother, I wrote an essay about just that and published it on Patreon for subscribers of the show. It's one of the best and deepest pieces of writing about our relationship that I've written so far. Become a patron to read the full essay. It's a bit funny, it's a bit sad, but it's as honest as I could make it. By becoming a patron, you'll support the show and get access to other patron-only content. Follow the link in this episode's description or go to reenchantmentpod.com and follow the Patreon link to become a subscriber. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you liked it. And I'll see you next time on Reenchantment.